So today we have a discussion about initiation and about the Pancharatrika initiation mantra diksha in particular. Srila Rupa Goswami Prabhupada has defined bhakti in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu with the following verse Anyabilashita Sunyam Jnana Karmadi Anabritam Anukulena Krishna Anushilanam Bhakti Ruttama. And following this, he's given a verse from the Pancharatra, Nard Pancharatra Sarvupadi Vinirmuktam Tatparat Vinanirmalam Shikena Rishikesha Sevanam Bhakti Ruttama. So from his description, it is apparent that there are two courses on which, by which bhakti is cultured, the Bhagavat Marg and the Pancharatrik Marg. So in our Sampradaya, we are mostly concerned with the Bhagavat Marg. At the same time, in order to take advantage of that, the Pancharatrik Marg has come to assist us, and the Mantra Diksha comes from this side, whereas Harinam comes from the other side, the Bhagavat Marg. Bhagavat Marg ultimately means Ragmarg, and the Pancharatra is Vidhi, Pancharatrika Vidhi, Vidhi Marg. We have combined the two in our Sampradaya, the two have been combined in such a way as to help everyone attain the Bhagavat Marg, the Ragmarg. There is no more efficacious and powerful means of spiritual culture than chanting the holy name of Krishna. And throughout all of the scriptures, this is proclaimed again and again and again, and particularly so with regard to the present Yuga, Kali Yuga. Kirtan is the Dharma of the Yuga, Nam Kirtan. And Krishna Nam being non different from Krishna, Nam and Nami, non different. It is said, Nama Chintamani Krishna's Chaitanya Rasa Vigraha Purna Shuddha Nitya Mukta Vinatvam Nama Namino. The name and the named Krishna and his name are non different. Of course, we also know that there's a difference. They're non different, but the difference is that the name comes to us even when the form of Krishna remains aloof. Therefore, the name is particularly endearing manifestation of the Lord to us who are downtrodden and fallen in this age. Kali Yuga Nama Rupa Krishna Avatar. This is one of the forms in Kali Yuga in which the Lord appears, in particular in the form of his name. Kali Yuga Nama Rupa Krishna Avatar. Descent of Krishna in the form of name in Kali Yuga. 
So as Sridhar Marsh has described, the name reaches from the highest position in Golok down to the lowest sector of the fallen souls in the material world. And so magnanimous is the name and so powerful is the holy name of Krishna, being non-different from Krishna himself. This holy name of the Lord, Krishna Nam, is not dependent upon anything. Krishna is independent. Swarat is described in the Bhagavatam, completely independent. So his name, being non-different from him, is also independent. And the extent to which the Lord's name is independent has been explained in the scriptures with regard to the culture of spiritual practice in which the guru is so important that Nam is independent of initiation. Guru is there for initiating the disciple, giving the mantra, teaching him and so forth, the practices. But the holy name of Krishna is independent of such process of initiation. And there's no purush charge or purificatory rituals that one must undergo before he's qualified to take the name of Krishna, to chant the name of Krishna. If we go for Sankirtan, loudly chanting, as it is highly recommended in this age, so many people are initiated, so to speak, by the name. Sukriti grows within them, and spiritual life is being cultured even unconsciously by them. So we should have such faith in the holy name, based on all of the statements of the scriptures, which we could fill the whole day and night with, just reciting them, or to speak of explaining any one of them. And also, based on the practical experience in our life of meeting saintly persons who have testified as to the efficacy of the Holy Name, whose person illustrates that to us, and then, in terms of our own experience, if we pay attention to chanting the Holy Name of Krishna, then surely the Name, merciful as he is, begins to reveal himself to us. And as he does, then the purification that involves our release from the bonds of ignorance and passion, tamaguna and rajaguna, enables us to come closer to the form of the Lord, particularly the form of the Lord as archavigraha, the deity manifestation of the Lord. And in order to engage in the worship of the archavigraha, then one must undergo the panchratriki, diksha, mantradiksha, Pancharatra is all about such ritualistic worship. Pancharatra means five forms of knowledge. Tapa, Pundra, Nam, Mantra, Yoga. It is said that the Pancharatras directly issues from Lord Krishna himself. This Pancharatra is the tantric side of the scripture. And within the Tantra, of course, there are two sides. There's the left and the right. So we're following the right-handed form of the Tantra that complements the Vedic side. These are, in our Sampadaya, properly integrated. The Tantra and the Veda, the Pancharatra and the Vedic side of the scriptures. So when Nam Prabhu mercifully purifies our heart, then Recognition of that on the part of the guru manifests formally in the ritual of mantradiksha, at which time one gets particularly the Pancharatra Mantra for worshipping Krishna. In this Sampradaya, we worship Krishna, we chant the holy name of Krishna, Krishna Nam, we sing. 
We are also doing japa. Krishna nam in the form of the Mahamantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. The supreme name, in one sense the supreme mantra. At the same time, our corresponding mantra, Krishna mantra, from the Panchatra is the 18-syllable, sometimes called Gopal mantra. And it is considered to be the best of all mantras. We take Krishna nam on one side, there are many, as Mahabharata was said, expressions of Krishna. Nam, 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 Akadibahudani, You have many, many names. There are indirect names of the Lord and direct names of the Lord. Names that describe the Lord in terms of his different relationships with his different devotees and so forth. In the beginning, we will chant in a general way any name of God. You may say to the public that the name of God, its virtues are sung in all of the religious text, be it the Bible or the Quran or in the Torah. name is so sacred it can't be chanted, can't be spoken. So in a general sense, we should advocate the singing of the name of God. Give praise to the name of God. I think it is mentioned in the Bible like that. I don't know the direct quote, but anyway, in all of the scriptures, this is the general idea. And then as we progress in the chanting, become purified, we take initiation, get a mantra from the Guru, then that helps to focus our chanting. Ultimately, we will be delivered by Sankirtan to Krishna Prema. But from general chanting of Krishna Nam to a specific chanting of Krishna Nam relative to the sentiments in our heart that have awakened as a result of being purified through the Diksha Mantra and the services and like Archan and so forth and serving the spiritual master. And at a certain point, as a result of chanting that mantra, the purification that comes and the sentiments that come will cause us to lose interest in the mantra and its various syllables and arrangement and so forth. And in a much more realized sense, we'll take advantage of the holy name of Krishna and Sankirtan and enter into uh, our relationship with Krishna in Goloka. So as I said earlier, Siddharmarsh has explained Harinam coming from the top position extending to the lower. He's given an example of a circle, a large circle. Inside that circle is a smaller circle. A large circle represents the holy name of Krishna in terms of its highest position and its furthest reach to the downtrodden. The smaller circle inside of that represents the Krishna mantra as opposed to Krishna nam. You might say, well, what's the difference? The mantra is a specific arrangement of names of the Lord. Really, the substance of it is the names of the Lord. So one may question, well, if there's no need for initiation to chant the holy name of Krishna, and if the mantra is merely made up of really the names of the Lord, then why is there any need for initiation? In one sense, there isn't. But Jiva Goswami has stressed that this has been done, this has been shown like this by great Mahajans and Acharjas. And so Krishna chooses to reveal himself, his Leela, through the mantra when it is received through the Guru Parampara. Therefore, it is also said conversely that Sampradaya Mantraste Nishvalamata Mantra that's not received from the Sampradaya, from the Guru Parampara, will not bear any fruit. So the mantra is the name of the Lord with a particular arrangement, Swaha, Namaha, through which this combination of the words in the mantra arranged around the name one specific relationship with Krishna is revealed. Once it's revealed, then that relationship has to be cultured. And that culture then will involve more of Nam 
chanting the Nam, the name, in a specific way relative to that relationship that's been revealed, that we've caught a glimpse of, if we love Krishna as a friend or as gopi and so forth, then there are different names that represent the Lord in those relationships with his eternal associates. Of course, the name Krishna is in all the groups. <laughs> but the point is that the both things are required. We can question, well, if Krishna Nam is so efficacious and powerful and independent even of initiation, then what is the need for the mantra and for initiation and so forth? And the reason is that Krishna Nam is fully liberated and we are not. And so until we reach a liberated position, we cannot fully take advantage of the holy name. So there are things that we can do that are centered around the chanting of the mantra given by the Guru, Krishna mantra, Gopal mantra that we give, that will purify us such that we can take better advantage of the holy name of Krishna. Now, maybe theoretically possible just to chant the holy name, but this is our system since time immemorial, and it brings results, so we shall follow that. We don't want to, that is to say, undercut or underestimate the power of the holy name. If we say the name has all power, but we're very fallen, still, if the name has great power, then <laughs> it shouldn't have any problem delivering even the most fallen. But what the Nam Prabhu does is deliver us really, to the guru, to get further installment, so to speak, of his grace. Further, I say, because in our tradition, we also give initiation in Krishna Nam by giving the beads and so forth. Actually, this Nam Diksha, as we sometimes call it, is really part of the Diksha process. As I mentioned earlier in the Pancharatra process system, and there are five things, Nam is one of them. Pundra, Tilak is another. Tapa. Tapa means really the austerity of submitting giving up one's own will and embracing the will of the guru, pundra, tilak, nam. So these things we receive, we get the japa and uh, the kamala and the tilak and the name, and we submit to a certain prescribed number of chanting rounds, for example, of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra on our beads. Still mantra and yaga to come to complete the process. So sometimes we say Harinam initiation, mantra diksha. It may be better to look at it as one affair, different parts. We give the first part, give the name, and when we see that the disciple is purified to some extent by chanting the holy name and actually putting on the tilak and saying, I'm devotee of Vishnu, of Krishna. This is who I am. This is my makeup, my cosmetics, the cosmetics that make me more beautiful, more charming, more endearing. They do so by reminding me, everyone else, and me, first and foremost, perhaps, I have now a responsibility. I have a new identity. I'm Krishna Das. I must act accordingly. And so the inner culture that causes one to really shine and be more beautiful, more than any adjustment of his physiology or anything external, is what we're concerned with. So when he sees this is going on, the guru in our system, then he gives the mantra, and the mantra enables us to do a deity worship. So we cannot do the deity worship without receiving the mantra that is integral, really, to the deity worship. And that deity worship is a manifestation of the form of the Lord that can help us very much in our conditioned stage. All of our senses can be engaged. We can sit and do Harinam, and the mind can wander. We can be making some sound and not pay attention very well, but 
when we do the deity worship, then we're forced more to pay attention. The physical manifestation of the deity, offering the foodstuffs, making the dresses and flowers, all these things and so forth. They're come to help us in our non-liberated stage of spiritual culture. And to be involved in that, the mantra is required. So from the bigger circle of Krishnanam, which extends very low, this, if we rise up, if we were to go up the middle of that big circle, we come to a smaller circle that doesn't extend as far down and doesn't extend as far up. It's contained within the bigger circle. And that represents the Krishna mantra. When Mahaprabhu enlightened Prakashananda Saraswati in Banaris, he said that Krishna mantra hoite hove sangsar mochan. Krishna nam hoite pove Krishna charan. Krishna mantra means Gopal mantra. Krishna mantra hoite hove sangsar mochan means Krishna mantra delivers one from material existence, from sangsara, brings about liberation. And what is liberation? Muktirhitvanita rupam svarupena vivastiti. Two sided Bhagavatam says. Mukti, one of the ten topics of Srimad Bhagavatam, liberation, involves both removing the negative, our material conditioning, and acquainting us with our actual identity, our real nature, our swarup. So Muktirhitvanita rupam svarupena vivastiti. This mantra helps us in this. As I said, it's a formula of words surrounding the name that give us a glimpse into our relationship with Krishna. This is how Jiva Goswami has described Krishna mantra and its efficacy in his Bhakti Sandarbha. So as we reach then the upper limit of that smaller circle inside the bigger one, the mantra, the necessity of the mantra retires. And then we can chant Krishna Nam in a liberated status and culture that Krishna Prem, Krishna Sankirtan. Then we'll do Krishna Sankirtan and in connection with Krishna Sankirtan, as it's mentioned in Brihat Bhagavatamrita, the final stage of Gopu Kumar's spiritual evolution. He came down from Dwarka in the spiritual sky where he had gone to Boma Vrindavan, earthly Vrindavan. He did Krishna Sankirtan, singing particular names of the Lord that were dear to him and meditating on the pastimes of the Lord. We went to the Lok. So in this way, the Krishna mantra is important to us. And this Krishna mantra is, as I said earlier, the best of all mantras. There are mantras for every deity, because Krishna is the best of all deities. The Swayam Bhagavan, source of all other deities, all other manifestations of Godhead. Those mantras, and there are a number of them that pertain to Krishna, they are the supreme mantras. So the 18-syllable mantra that we give, that was given to Brahma at the dawn of creation, corresponding Gayatri is called Kam Gayatri. This Gopal mantra, or the 18-syllable mantra, has been explained in the best of all the Upanishads. Gotamiya Tantra refers to the Gopal Tapani as the best of all Upanishads. And that is the subject, this Gopal mantra, is the subject of Gopal Tapani. Kam Gayatri has also been explained in different places. In our charges, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami has explained it to some extent in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Following that explanation, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur has given an elaborate explanation of Kam Gayatri. 
So things have been written about these mantras in the sacred literature and by the acharyas, and some explanation of them, in brief, should be given to those who receive it at the time of initiation, and corresponding practices that will help one to effectively chant the holy name. But Krishna mantra in particular is so wonderful and efficacious, as is Krishna Nam, that it has been stated that it does not require any purse charge or any purificatory processes that other mantras may require in order for them to be effective. You have to perform before receiving it in order for them to take effect. Nonetheless, some have been recommended in Hari Bhakti Vilas by Sanatana Goswami Prabhu. But Hari Bhakti Vilas is full of so many kinds of Vaishnav Smriti, it's called. So many types of instructions are there. Hundreds and hundreds of them. It's not possible for us to follow them. But if we study carefully Hari Bhakti Vilas, that's what the literature itself informs us of this. At the time of Hari Bhakti Vilas's compilation, of course, there was a very strong Brahminical Smarta Brahman climate. And so, in order for the Vaishnavas to appear to be vital, and Vaishnavism and Bhakti to be a viable path, Hari Bhakti Vilas was compiled with so many rules and regulations for the Vaishnavas. The Smarta path is full of so many rules and regulations. You can't breathe, you can't inhale or exhale, actually, practically without doing it in a particular way and saying a mantra and so forth. So this is the way of preaching that one has to find, assess the climate and then approach the public accordingly, consideration of that. That doesn't mean that Hari Bhakti Vilas is relative. It's a very important book. But it means that all of its injunctions we are not obliged to follow. We should follow in accordance with the instructions of our guru that are based on that. So, for example, with regard to the purse charge, that's not even necessary for the Gopal Mantra. That's nonetheless recommended, which is somewhat elaborate and difficult to perform. Sanatana Goswami Prabhu has said, or you can do the supreme form of Purusha and this will be all effective, and that is service to the Guru. You should follow him like a shadow if you have the opportunity, you have the personal association. And it means to follow like a shadow, to always be there and ready to bring water and all such things to facilitate whatever his basic needs may be. This is really kind of a beginning. We serve the basic apparent needs of the spiritual master in every respect, then we can become acquainted with what his inner heart mission ideal is about. And then we can move even a distance from our Gurudev in the course of assisting him in that and be closer than one who's even bringing the shoes and putting them on. But the point is that this is the supreme form of Buddhist charge or purificatory rites and practices. And we should put this in place. This should have been in place before receiving the initiation. So the idea is that one comes under the shelter of the Guru, receives Harinam, chants, and some observance on the part of the Guru is there. And then when he sees fit, in other words, when he sees that Nam Prabhu is not being abused, and in the least, it means, well, he's chanting his prescribed number of rounds, trying to pay 
attention, doing it conscientiously, and he's able to meet that vow and whatever other basic instructions have been given at the time of receiving the holy name, and the proper attitude of service to the guru who represents the nam in the mantra, who is a manifestation of the nam and mantra, so close to us, Gurudev is that manifestation of Krishna that's manifested particularly for us, tailored just for our necessity. So our attention really should be given there. Shudamars once said, if Krishna appears to you in the sadhana, in your bhajan, and asks you to do something, you have to say, well, wait, first let me ask my guru, is this who you're talking about? This fellow came, he asked. The idea is that service to the guru, that will be real service to Krishna. Sometimes it has been there have been examples of the Lord appearing to take one back to Godhead, but the disciple says, I can't go, I'm very busy here right now serving your representative. So we should give all of our attention there. Yasya Prasadat, Bhagavat Prasadu, Yasya Prasadanagati Kutopi. Because this is Krishna's arrangement. We have to come to see Sakshadharitena Samasta Shasta. Krishna has come to us. We're looking everywhere. Where is Krishna? He has come to us. In the form of the Acharya. So what he says to us, the example he says, that will be all important to us. We cannot neglect that in the name of worshipping Krishna. I'm busy chanting my rounds. I can't come now. No, not like that. So, this kind of Buddha's charge has been recommended. And when that is in place, then we can give the Krishna mantra. And by chanting the Krishna mantra in a corresponding Gayatri that Lord Brahma chanted, received, and chanted at the dawn of creation after receiving the Gopal mantra, the 18-syllable mantra, along with the other mantras that we give in the mantra diksha, one can attain a status that he can actually fully take advantage of Harinam Prabhu. Regarding the other mantras, then, we also give the Gaur mantra, and a corresponding Gayatri. Guru Mantra and a corresponding Guru Gayatri. And these Gayatris are a formula of words, and in them we find the three principles of Sambandha, Vidaya, and Prayojana. Vid, Vidmahe, Sambandha, Di, Dimahi, Abhideya, practice the culture, Bhakti, and Prachodayat. Prayojan, Prachodayat, the fruit, the goal. So in all of these Gayatris, Kam Gayatri or Krishna Gayatri, sometimes called Gaur Gayatri, Guru Gayatri, you'll find these words and these three tattvas that represent all that is found in the sacred literature. Mahaprabhu told Prakashananda Saraswati that all the sacred literature is divided into these three sections, Samanda, Abhideya, Prayojana. They're all in the Veda. Vedas all come from Om. They're all inside of Om. Gayatri is inside of Om. We come to Brahma Gayatri, as it's sometimes called. We are also giving this. This is a point of contention amongst some other sects of the Gaudias. Why are we giving this Surya Gayatri? I've heard this objection. Because Bhakti Sarasri Thakur gave the Brahma Gayatri, which is sometimes called the Surya Gayatri, and it may be called many by many other names also, by those who don't understand what that mantra is about, that Gayatri. The famous Gayatri that Krishna says of songs I am in Bhagavad Gita, Gayatri, Ganat Trayate, means a song, Gana, of 
deliverance. Jiva Goswami has gone to great lengths in his satsandarbha to explain the Brahma Gayatri in terms of its being a meditation upon the Supreme Brahman, Krishna, the Absolute Truth. For those who say, why are you chanting the Surya Mantra? Or the, they think of it, this mantra, that mantra, Savitri Gayatri. They have not studied carefully what our charges have said about the Brahma Gayatri. We are fortunate in our Sampradaya in general, and in particular, in our lineage within the Sampradaya. It comes from Bhaktivinod, Bhaktisiddhanta, Bhaktivedanta, and Bhaktirakshak, Sridhar Maharaj. We're particularly in this group, in the Gaudiya Saraswat Sampradaya, then not everybody has a connection with Sridhar Maharaj. We are fortunate to have that by Siksha and also in terms of oral reception of the mantra. Actually, I heard all these Gayatris and Sanyas Gayatri from Prabhupada on the tape, as was Prabhupada's system, and I heard it directly from Sridhar Maharaj. Some people don't understand, they complain about this. Or you can hear it from one, you can only have one Diksha Guru, and you can only have one Diksha Guru, that's true. But the nature of these Panchatra Mantras is that their power can be diminished or lost by abuse. Garadhar Pandit approached Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Puri, is mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita, and told him that I made an offense to my Diksha Mantra. What was that offense? I gave it away to an unqualified person. This mantra, Diksha Mantra, is not to be told to anyone. It's not to be given to anyone. If you do give, then there are implications. Obviously, the Guru has to give it, but there are implications for that also. And therefore, it said, after giving it, he should chant it a thousand and eight times himself to restore the power in that. This and other similar statements are made to make this point. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsati Thakur has commented in relation to the incident I'm describing, where Gadadhar Pandit approached Mahaprabhu. He said, I've given my mantra ever since I gave it away to an unqualified person. I haven't been able to focus on it properly. So can I please hear it from you again? Mahaprabhu refused to recite it to him. He said, because it would be an offense if I was to give you that mantra that your Diksha Guru has already given you while he's still alive. And he's coming here in 10 days. So the omniscient Mahaprabhu knew that Pundarik Vidyaniti, the guru of Gadadhar, would soon be there. So when he came, he again asked to hear the mantra. And again, he felt restored and nourished in terms of his ability to concentrate on that mantra and take advantage. So, not when your Diksha Guru is alive. If you need to hear it again, then you come to him and hear it again. But in the absence of Prabhupada, after he left, in my life in particular, there was so much turmoil and so forth that some of you have come in the wake of that and know about it to some extent. But we took shelter of Sridhar Maharaj, and Prabhupada had asked Sridhar Maharaj to assist his disciples as Sridhar Maharaj envisioned it in some technical way. Not in Sridhar Maharaj's vision that there was any need in terms of substance. So different devotees were saying, well, I heard it from a tape or I got it on a piece of paper. They really wanted to make some formal connection with Sridhar Maharaj. So in a kind of a, as a, like a titular adjustment, a technical adjustment, as a minor thing, he took it in that light. Those who were hearing from him didn't take it in that way. But I remember when I went, one time I had gone to the moth and someone said, you know, you should... Prabhupada gave the sannyas mantra on paper. They said, you should hear the sannyas mantra for Jiddha Marsh directly. So if that magnanimous soul was willing to speak it, I certainly was accepting him as I did, as the full representation of Prabhupada in my life and Prabhupada's absence 
as a Siksha Guru in every sense of the term. The Siksha Guru can be used in different ways. This idea we can say, oh, he's my Siksha Guru. Anybody who I've taken Siksha from, any senior Vaishnava, I could call him as a Siksha Guru, he's a Sadhu. That is a general idea, and that's how it's generally applied. But it may be also applied in the particular way in which one actually even hears the mantra again from, from such a Siksha Guru and renders seva and stays in the personal company of, as one would more readily do with the Diksha Guru. In that case, it happens if the Diksha Guru may be deviated or after he has left the world. So I accepted Sri Ramarsh in the latter sense, in every respect, as a Siksha Guru, and sought his advice or had to carry on in the absence of Prabhupada. So at any rate, I went and I heard the sannyas. I asked Sri Ramarsh, others are recommending, can I hear the sannyas mantra from you? Prabhupada had given it to me on a paper. He says, yes, Swami Marsh wanted me to do some little, whatever little thing I could to help his disciples here and there. So, yes, if you like. So he said, take bath and come. So I came before noon. And then he recited the Sinas mantra and the other mantras as well, including the Brahma Gayatri. And as I was mentioning, we are fortunate in our Sampradaya and within our Sampradaya, that we have a direct connection with Sridhar Marsh, who has given, while others have commented on the Kama Gayatri, or on Brahma Gayatri, like Jiva Goswami, I cited, and so forth, Bhaktivedanta Sridhar Marsh has given the most uh, deep and esoteric explanation of Brahma Gayatri. And, of course, that was, with his permission, published, and it is available, and all the students should read that, study that very carefully. Things have been written about all these mantras, but really, to understand them, will require more than reading about them, but to actually chant them and live up to what's expected of one once one receives that installment through the Guru Parampara. So I heard from Sri Marsh after the passing of Prabhupada and had Pundarik Vidinidhi passed from the world, Mahaprabhu very well may have recited the mantra again for him. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsataka commented about this, that this mantra... When the guru gives it, some influence of the disciple, his material status is uh, absorbed by the guru. So in order to restore himself, after that, I give you something wonderful, you give me something back. <laughs> it's not as wonderful. He's like, uh, give me the fruit and I'll take back the peel. and Spit out the pit and I'll take that too. This way the guru serves us, actually. We may, especially in the Western world, the idea of serving the guru is not very popular. But So we may wonder why we should serve the guru. But if we look carefully, we see that that guru is serving us just like a mother serves a child. Well, the child passes stool all over her and, and she breastfeeds him, never complaining, cleaning up the stool all from the child and then uh, what's fallen on herself and so forth. So this then idea should endear us to the spiritual master. We think if kindly he's done so, and therefore my life should be dedicated to the service of that manifestation of divinity in the form of Sri Guru who has come to me, given me the mantra in which my relationship with Krishna will be found, glimpsed, and by which, chanting properly, I will be able to fully take advantage of the holy name and be delivered and realize Krishna Prem. And so we shouldn't give the mantra to an unqualified person, but obviously we take a risk in this regard. Prabhupada used to say, my only offense was that I gave the initiation to so many unqualified 
persons. Puri Goswami Maharaj said, my only offense is that I was unqualified to give the mantra that my guru told me not to give anyone, but I gave it anyway. He's going down even a, another level in humility. We, they're both eminently qualified, no doubt. But it should be given, the point is, to a qualified person. And in that, we have seen that our charges have taken risk. Apparently, Gadadhar Pandit did also. He felt that he had given it to an unqualified person, and he got the reaction. So that's there to instruct us. The instructors are instructed by this. So when you receive the mantra, you should keep it to yourself. You don't go and give it to somebody else unless you're qualified. And with the mantras, I mean, taking the mantra then, as I mentioned, we can do the yagya. And now the diksha is complete. You've got tapa. Tapa also means knowledge, or dibhyagyan. Tapa, pundra, nam, mantra, yagya. Take the mantra. It should be chanted three times daily at the sandhyam, at the dawn, at noon, and at dusk. And then in relation to the seva puja, the deity worship, you will learn to use the mantra for offering boga and other such things. And it's Krishna mantra and corresponding Gayatri. Gore mantra, corresponding Gayatri. The Gore mantra, of course, is not a fabrication by the Sampradaya. Some people might like to make it out to be, but I believe Bhaktisanasarasthi Thakur many years ago met a challenge in that regard and illustrated from Scripture the eternal nature of the Gore mantra and Gore Gayatri, in which Mahabharata was described as Vishwambhar, the maintainer, we should think how he's a maintainer of the universe. Vishwambhar means maintainer of the universe. There was a name given to Nimai Pandit by Mother Sachi. Vishwambhar. He maintains, it means he nourishes the world by giving them Brajabhakti. We should chant the Krishna Mantra and Krishna Gayatri and Gaur Mantra and Gaur Gayatri and Guru Mantra and Guru Gayatri and Brahma Gayatri. And Brahma Gayatri, we should know the commentary of Sridhar Maharaj and see how it is appropriate. As I said, people have challenged, well, in your Sampradaya, you call yourself Gaudias, but you are chanting the Surya Gayatri, Savitri Gayatri. What is this? What does this have to do with Bhakti and Braj Bhakti in particular? And what is our reply? That in our Sampradaya, we have shown the furthest reach of Brahma Gayatri extending to Radha Dasyam. We have brought that out to the community. So you should take advantage. This was instituted by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and his disciple, Bhakti Daksakshita Devasami Maharaj, has shown so wonderfully the appropriateness of that. In a general sense, of course, appropriateness is there with regard to the Brahma Gayatri and the sacred thread. We also give the sacred thread at the time of second initiation. And it should be composed of nine threads representing the nine islands of Navadvip and Navalakshan Bhakti, the nine forms of Bhakti enunciated by Prahlad, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Vandam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmani, Vedanam, Tipum, Sarpito, Vishnu, Bhaktis, Janavalakshina, Kriyati, Bhagavati, Adha, Tanmanyeditam, Uttamam. Don't forget the second verse that follows, the first one, which tells us that these things should be practiced on the stage of Sharanagati, surrender to Krishna and sing his name, remember him, hear about him, so forth. This is bhakti. The nine threads are said to represent Navalakshan bhakti, Navadweep, nine islands, nine stages of devotion from Shraddha to Prem, given by Rupa Goswami and Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. 
And of course, the thread is Vedic, and the Brahma Gayatri is Vedic, not from the Tantra, not from the Panchratra. But Jiva Goswami has said that at the time, he was writing, I believe, in Bhakti Sandar, but it's not a custom to give the thread at the time of the Vaishnava Diksha. And with the thread comes the Brahma Gayatri traditionally. And what we have taken from that, Bhakti Sarasati Thakur, is that at the time it was not customary, but there may come a time when it has utilization in the Sampradaya. In other words, previous to Bhakti Sarasati Thakur, if someone took Vaishnava Diksha and had already received the Upanayana, the thread, and Brahma Gayatri, they would take off the thread because Vaishnavism is beyond Brahmanism, is the idea. Brahmanism being part of the material world, the caste system, the, the Varnashram, it's above Varnashram, who has Shraddha and Nadikar for Bhakti, rises above Varnashram. But let's say he's on the path that transcends Varnashram, but in reality he doesn't immediately transcend everything in Varnashram. But potentially he could, if he took advantage of the path, the Paramahamsa Marg of Gauranga Mahaprabhu's Prem Bhakti. So what were they? What were the time and circumstances that caused Bhakti Sarasri Thakur to see fit or see that it was appropriate at that particular time to give the thread and Brahma Gayatri? This is important to note, to understand our Sampradaya and to answer any challenges that others raise about this practice, which is, as far as I know, unique to our sect within Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the sect that has given it to the whole world and that sheds light on its essential meaning and practice more than any other sect of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. That great family of Bhakti Vinod, represented by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. The time and circumstances of the Thakur's preaching were that Vaishnavas were intimidated to some extent by the Brahminical climate. And so to encourage them that by taking Vaishnav Diksha, you have also potentially risen to the Brahminical platform. In other words, you've entered a house, apartment building that represents Brahminism's next door goes 10 stories. You just entered a house, a building that goes 100 stories. And you have the opportunity to reach the top level of that building. So you're in a better position. You're at least in the position, potentially, of one who's taken the, the Brahman initiation, received Brahma Gayatri and so forth. So he wanted to make that point and encourage the Vaishnavas, who he was prepared to draw from all parts of the world and that his Sambhadaya has, has done, encourage them. Of course, it doesn't mean as much to us here in the West. We're not in India and we're not intimidated by some big fat guy with a Brahman thread who says, hey, who are you? What are you? Maybe we should be a little bit more because they may also have some respectable position in the religious hierarchy, better birth and so forth than ourselves. We should know our position to be greater, but show it through our humility, really. When one of my godbrothers went to the Radharaman temple many years ago, he praised Radharaman and then the Pujari, they're all in Brahmin families, of course, the Goswami caste of Radharaman, temple, the Pujari said, yes, well, maybe in your next life you can take birth in a Brahmin family and you can also worship Radharaman. So when he told it to Prabhupada, Prabhupada said, you should have told him, yeah, maybe in your next birth you can take part in the Sankirtan movement of Lord Chaitanya and preach all over the world the glories of Lord Chaitanya. Bhagavat Mark. Prabhupada was like, pushing back like that. And that's appropriate for him to say so, but we as his disciples and grand disciples and so forth, should respect all people at the same time and not allow 
the theoretical fact and the practical fact of our good fortune and potential to cause us to be proud and thus lose out on the opportunity that's come to us. After all, Mahaprabhu has mandated Trinadapisunichena. This should be the primary characteristic by which the Gaudiya Vaishnavas are known. Even if they don't have a lot of learning, which they can have, certainly we have very many learned Gaudiya Vaishnavas in our line. But if they have it, but they don't have this humility, who will take them seriously? And if they have the humility that Mahaprabhu spoke of, and not the learning, then it will be apparent to any thoughtful, discriminating person that they have learned much more. So our good fortune shouldn't make us proud, it should make us humble. And then our good fortune will be known by anyone and everyone, will be be understood. So to encourage the Vaishnavas in a heavy, smart climate where the Brahminical smart to class thought they had a monopoly on religion and giving of mantras and worshipping the deity and so forth. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasitaka built big temples, engaged his disciples in the worship of the temples, gave them the Brahman thread, Brahma Gayatri. So this is the one side. The other side of it is, while he encouraged the Vaishnavas, the other side is people were offending the Vaishnavas, thinking, who is this? They're not qualified to worship the deity. We are. We can worship the Shalagram. So by giving them a thread, which means a lot when the people see it. And Gaitanyam and the deity worshipped and many people who were who thought unless you have a thread you can't worship the deity, then we're saved from making offenses to Vaishnava. So some reasoning like this he drew upon as he formulated his innovative approach to disseminating Gaudiya Vaishnavism that has been so successful. And we should Falena Parichiate evaluate, judge a thing by its results, by its fruits. And we are the fruits, some of the fruits. And all over the world, there are so many fruits from this Sampradaya. The whole Sampradaya has gained currency worldwide in every respect by the innovative adjustments of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. So we follow along with those adjustments and we will give to those here today to, to receive the second initiation, the, the Brahman thread and the Brahma Gayatri and Guru Mantra Guru Gayatri, Gaur Mantra Gaur Gayatri, Krishna Mantra Krishna Gayatri, and and a couple of other Gayatris as well that aren't to be chanted daily, three times a day, ten times each, but that will be used in Archon that I received from Sridhar Maharaj, Radha Gayatri, and another Krishna Gayatri for Archon, Nityananda Gayatri, and so forth. So, you should take, understand, basic idea. You can read commentaries that are available on these mantras, but that will be useful only as much as it fuels your enthusiasm to properly meditate upon them, always keeping clean and making an environment that's conducive for the chanting. They should be chanted at the right times, ideally. If circumstances don't afford the opportunity to do that, then you have to make up for that. If you know you're going to not be in a situation because of, for example, traveling, then you can chant all three in the morning rather than three times a day. But as far as possible, it should be. The idea of chanting three times a day at morning, noon, or night tells us that this is not about fast food culture and getting everything done as quickly as possible and over with so we can get on with our life. It's about changing our life and making our life a meditation upon the Lord three times a day, slowing down enough, stopping, making oneself clean, composing oneself, to sit and meditate on the Lord and then carry on with those so-called more important things 
And if you do it right in time, then all those important things become less important and one's whole life becomes a meditation on Krishna and the efficacy of the mantra is reached and you can celebrate in Krishna Nam in a liberated status and cultivate Krishna Prem. So, are there any questions? Which is the Gaita that corresponds to Krishna's flute song? Well, the Brahma Gayatri is said to be the flute of Krishna, but the Kama Gayatri is said to be the fifth note of the flute. Another question? In your commentary on Gopal Mantra, that was published by Narasimha Maharaj, you mentioned that at a certain point, if the devotee chants and they see, they worship Krishna, who is also, there's another level of, you gave yeah. different stress to each word. Is that something that should be cultured in the chanting of the mantra, or should that just... Just chant. Used? Just chant. If you see Krishna, who is... Govinda, who is also Gopijana Balabhara, then emphasis on Krishna will come to Dasya Bhakti. If you see Krishna, who is Govinda, that Krishna who is who is the cowherder, who is also the lover of the gopis, then it will be developed in another way. And if it is the first two, Krishna and Govinda, serve to be adjectives, so to speak, of Gopijana Balabhara, then Madhuri those are other aspects of the person that you're worshipping. But no, we should just chant the mantra. We should just pay attention. The mantra will rise and reveal itself. You, know, you, need, to, you need to develop this pure heart, a pure mind that can actually concentrate and meditate, not just say the words and other thoughts are going through your head and so forth. You reach that stage of composure, stillness, ekagra, one-mindedness. Then the mantra will speak to you. Of course, explanations of it are useful to a point. They can also be counterproductive. Actually, Prabhupada usually gave no explanation. Just chant it. But uh, some explanation can be helpful. All right, so we'll stop there. Guru Vaishnav, Guru Parampara ki jai.